Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hi, it's Pauline from Meet the Expats, and today I meet with Carlos, who has has lived in Germany for 14 years with his kids. Um, he's an artist, an author, uh, currently running a chocolate factory, apparently, um, and will be sharing about his challenges of parenting abroad and a lot more. Hi, Carlos, how are you? What's going down? Thank you, Pat. <laughs> My my best bud would get a kick out of uh, you saying I'm running a chocolate factory. <laughs> I'm just simply helping out is what little skills I may or may not have. Well, we'll probably share a little bit about this Willy Wonka experience. <laughs> right, 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 right. So maybe you can introduce yourself briefly, explain where you are, where you live, um, and all that, and then we'll dive into it. Yeah. Um, well, I, I was born and raised in in uh, in the states in Rhode Island. Had a really wonderful kind of idyllic childhood where, um, it, you know, uh, when I look back, I I feel like I was so blessed uh, as a child and to come up with my in the world that I did. Um, so yeah, that that was the first uh, phase of life. Unfortunately, right. when I was twelve. Um, life quickly took uh took a left turn um i was diagnosed with osteogenic sarcoma so uh, a bone cancer and uh needless to say that that changed everything changes your life i can imagine changed the entire dynamic of our family of you know um from one day to the next i, I had been complaining probably for six months to my family that i was having like pins and needles like lack of blood circulation in my left foot and, mm. but I was a kid, I was 12 years old. So it was yeah. kind of nothing. And ultimately my father, we walked into a, like a walk-in health clinic in East Providence, Rhode Island. And, um, the doctor was completely unimpressed and was like, well, we'll take a, we'll take an x-ray of it and see what, what's going on. And, uh, when he walked back into the room, even I, as a 12 year old, yeah, I just knew from the energy in the room, you know, um, something yeah, was and, off. And he didn't say it out loud. He, you know, he said, well, uh, there's something going on in there, but I'm going to send you over to a colleague at, and we, we were sent over that day to a, to the bigger hospital in Rhode Island. And from there, the, uh, the journey of survival, uh, began from day one. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. It took two years to. Uh, of chemotherapy and, and lots of surgeries, the cancer uh, spread to both my lungs and, and generally um, that type of cancer, bone cancer, when it spreads to your lungs, you generally have a 0% chance of survival. So, hmm. but for whatever reason, I stuck around, um, lost my leg to the middle of my thigh. So they, they amputated my leg a couple of years after um, the initial diagnosis, after trying to save it for a bunch of after a bunch of surgeries. Um, but then at 14 and a half, uh, I, you know, I kind of started my second phase of life, which, okay. you know, it's, it's interesting because whenever I tell people about have you know, losing my leg, it's, it, it's, people are always like, oh, that must've been terrible. What's fascinating in my case is, um, it was a, it was a relief and a celebration. So, it was, you know, how it, 
How yeah, was it a in, relief? In that most people, if they get in an accident and they lose their leg, it's the worst day of their lives, right? Yeah. For me, I had I was a, a you know a, a a kid full of life one day at twelve years old, and the next day I was sick for two years. Mm. So for twenty four months, I was just so sick, and I had my leg after the cancer was in remission, but it was you know mangled and no longer working and infected and just it was it was basically a hindrance to me as a child you know as a, or as, okay. a young, as a young adult so when we made the decision as a family um and with the doctors to to amputate it was like uh the next day after they cut the leg off it was just a it was like okay I'm now I can start figuring life out again mm. I can start learning to walk and get a prosthesis and um, so really it was, uh, you know, it, I feel like so much of my life, uh, was non-traditional, whether it be that I'm a little different, uh, you know, not in the norm perhaps, or because it was shaped by facing, you know, imminent death as a young kid. So the, all these type of experiences, needless to say, certainly shaped me, right? I mean, of course. Um, in, in their own ways and it, good and bad, you know, I mean, ultimately, uh, it, it shaped me in some ways and other ways, my way of coping with it was just literally pretending I was a regular guy, which mm. I was not a regular guy. I had an artificial leg. I was, I, you know, I had all kinds of kind of, not all kinds of limitations, but I had limitations, but I just pretended like I didn't. And I, you know, yeah. and lived a normal, normal kind of childhood, which is everyone, is every kid wants that. Yeah. A and, and I, yeah. All right. Let's fast forward and move on to your move to Germany. How did this come up? Why did you move? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I, I went to uh, college in fell in love madly with, um, the woman that I would marry. I knew, I knew the day I met her that I, she was the one I'd marry, which was, okay. which was either the greatest thing in the world as an 18 year old boy or the biggest nightmare as an 18 year old boy. Cause <laughs> I had just, you know, it was freshman year of college and I was like, Oh, this is the woman I'm going to meet. Uh, I'm going to marry. And I really did know it. You know, the universe All told right. me and, it's early, and there, was, but yeah. <laughs> there was no doubt about it in my mind. And we were going to have four kids. We, you know, we talked about it. We were going to have four kids and all this stuff. And um, ultimately, we did get married. It took a minute. <laughs> uh, when we were in, when I was in my late twenties, uh, we got married. And and here's where it gets a little interesting with with regards to my personality type. Is again going back to whether it was by nature or by experience. I had lived life always as a bit of a free spirit. So I just didn't, okay. I struggled to take life seriously. And, and to the point where I think it was a bit of a, a flaw, meaning I, I didn't, you know, I was so um, not able to kind of live as an adult. I wasn't working real jobs. I was kind of, well, that, that sounds a little disrespectful, but I was working I had got a business degree, yet I, ha I wasn't finding a way to start my career. I was kind of just working at cafes and, and enjoying my, my life. 
until my wife and I decided to get married and start having children. And, and then I got a real job and, um, uh, you know, bought a house and started fathering. And what I think happened was I tried to be an adult and it, I don't have that gear in me. So as a result, I, uh, completely and utterly lost my mind. So, so unfortunately, um, I went into a, a horrific, uh, depression, uh, kind of for me, depression is always confusing to me, but for me, it was uh, the depression showed itself as panic attacks, which ultimately resulted in me having a fear of having panic attacks, which caused, okay. you know, which caused total kind of chaos because I could no longer function, nor was I telling people that I was having this. So mm. I, I, so I was, I was still able to parent kind of, and my wife knew that I was struggling, but aside from that, I was kind of hiding in my own little world of hell. Um, and that, that was a couple of years, which was, uh, you know, they were brutal years. Um, ultimately finally started admitting to myself, you know, and, and reaching out for help and got on some meds and, and got at least kind of to some sort of a neutral place again, where I could function and, and recognize, wow, this something crazy just occurred in the last two years. I no longer, you know, I hated everybody. I hated my family, okay. I hated my friends. And I definitely am not one to hate, you know, it was, was not who I was. So, um, found some neutral, uh, my wife and I recognized that, you know, we need to change. And, uh, we were living in Rhode Island at that point. And on a whim, we packed up our, uh, everything we owned, including our seven, six and four year old children. And we right. uh, moved to the little village where she was born and raised, which is in Northern Germany. Okay, so no how did that conversation I, go? I literally went, uh, I called my wife and I said, I, I can no longer work here because I was, I was at that point able to function. And um, I said, you know, I'm, I'm realizing that I can't, I can't live, uh, I can't work here anymore. I need to make a change. You know, it's okay. because, because it, the, the world that I was in wasn't, it just wasn't, I knew I, it wasn't the place I was supposed to be. And she, right. she was like, do you want to move to Germany? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> it was like, it was like, <laughs> we had no plan. We had no money and we packed up our stuff in a container. I borrowed some money from, you know, family and, uh, the container was on its way. Me, we packed up the kids and we moved into, it's kind of beautiful in retrospect. We moved into her, her mother's apartment. Right. Uh, it, uh, the downs. So typically in, as you know, in German, in small village, small town, Europe, um, it's very typical that the home that, uh, my wife grew up in now houses, uh, her mother, her brother and his family. And when we moved oh, wow. at that point, the grandmother. So it was kind of a generational thing, you know? Okay. So we moved into this apartment. It was so sweet. You know, two-bedroom apartment. There was my 95-year-old grandmother, so the, the grandmother of my wife, hmm. our, our, my in-law, my mother-in-law, and her boyfriend. And that was in their apartment. We moved in there. 
with three young kids and my wife kids. and I. And they just made room for us. You know, it was, it was like, it was like, yeah, you know, we'll co- come on in and we'll me. figure it out. Like it was just so great. And then upstairs was my, fa- my brother-in-law, his wife and his three kids. So it was, uh, you know, nerve wracking for my wife. I was not, fu- I was not functioning at a very high level emotionally. I didn't speak the language. My three mm. kids didn't speak any German. Yeah. And, and here we were with, you know, no money, no car, um, <laughs> but a, a, a kind of a new lease on, I know for me, a, kind of a new lease on life and, um, new beginnings. yeah, just feeling like, okay, I, I, I think I can figure this out. What, what I think I probably didn't realize at that point was, um, with regards to depression, there's the depression, at least for me. And then there's the post like dealing with what the F just happened, you know, the, Mm. the, the emotions of how did that happen? Why did it happen? And the shame as a guy, what were the triggers? What were the triggers? How'd you, I I always feel like the emotion for me was shame. Like how did I fail? You know, why did I fail and, and not be able to handle real life? Why, how come I can't be an adult like everyone else? And that shame weighed on me, man. That was, that was something that took me a bunch of years to kind of process and, and ultimately recognize that that's, there, there is no shame in the fact that I'm just, that's just not my path. Um, ultimately my wife who has her master's degree in psychology, uh, went, went to work full time. And I, you know, we obviously got our own place after a minute <laughs> and, uh, and I started raising the kids in a, in a world that was completely foreign in a language I didn't know. And, um, as you know, that you know, kind of the, the fascination of, we put our three kids into whatever it was at that point, second grade, first grade and kindergarten. And a, when they didn't speak a word of German. And like a month later, they're speaking German in the home to each wow. other. And I'm like, wait, what, how is this happening? You know, and I'm still like, hello. Like, you know, <laughs> still so yeah, they adapted real quick. <laughs> oh, kids are so, it's, it's obnoxious how quickly they learn. Um, um, so I just want to rewind a little bit. What conversation did you have with the kids about like letting them know? By the way, we're moving tomorrow to Germany. Oh, they were so, you know, at, at that age, it was so, first of all, it's, it's, those times are a little foggy because I was, mm. I was just kind of figuring things out at that point. But, um, the, you know, we're, we, we, we've, we have such a wonderful connection with the kids and, um, even back then, uh, they were so under our, you know, they did, I don't even. I don't even think they knew. They're just like, okay, whatever you guys tell okay. us, you know, um, and they, you know, we've been, we've been so blessed in that give to be given the opportunity as a dude, <laughs> as a gentleman, uh, to stay home and, and raise the kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, like full time. And, and then we, we had another baby. We didn't plan it, but we had another baby and I got to raise a baby. So, you know, my wife, <laughs> my wife went back to work relatively soon after having a kid. And I even got to experience that, which, uh, I certainly 
coming from a, a, a fourth generation, a four generation family business, I certainly never imagined that I would um, stay home and raise kids, which, which probably, you know, don't, you know, going back was part of the, the emotion that I had to deal with of, oh, I'm supposed to be working. I'm supposed to be a businessman. Mm. You know, all those things that those expectations that we put on ourselves. But um, yeah, the kids from day one, they were loving it. And although three of them are now studying here in the States, they, um, they have wonderful memories. They still love Germany and they certainly love to come home for Christmas time and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. All right. And so how did that parenting experience specifically in Germany, in this new environment for you? So not only did you like change country, you also completely changed your way of life, um, like, you know, dealing with post-depression, but also suddenly taking care of your kids, full new environment. How did you go through this? Yeah. Um, so one thing I will say, and every time I make the statement, it's, I always feel like it sounds so cheesy, but I'm, but I'm committed to making the statement. Um, yeah. I, I have in my life, um, I find myself most successful, most true to myself when I listen to the universe and let the universe tell me where I'm supposed to go. Right. I, don't, I don't think I make good decisions personally. I am not <laughs> intelligent. Let um, someone else make them then. <laughs> my wife would definitely agree with that statement. But she, you know, I, I just think the universe sent me where it was supposed to. I, I was, I was not meant to live a traditional life. And, you know, I do love to read and I do love to write and I do love to create music and I grew up doing all those things. That, that was that was all the stuff I loved to do. You know, I, I'm a I'm a singer and songwriter and all that kind of stuff. And when I made that decision to when I was in my late twenties to get married and and to become an adult, I I physically put my musical instruments and all that creativity. I put it away. You know, I I have this gorgeous mid fifties, um, American made K upright bass. It's, I, I physically put it in our basement and I remember saying out loud to myself, I'm like, well, I'm not a musician anymore. And I think ultimately when I landed in Germany, when we arrived in Germany and I, you know, picked up my bass again and, and started enjoying reading again and doing the things that perhaps I was meant to do, everything started falling into place. And, and raising children, you know, I'm not a disciplinarian, um, uh, but I, I am able by nature to give a lot of love. So, you know, I, I, I definitely, we definitely raised our children or I raised the children a little bit untraditionally. And so the, you know, the, the, the transition was so organic and it happened so naturally and um, we had so much fun, you know, It, it's just when I look back, it's it's uh, it's it was such a beautiful experience. And you know, there's there's good and bad. We we've had our challenges in that it often had become, it often became kind of the five of us against my wife. Who who by the way, I adore my wife. I'm I'm going to grow old with her. You know, she's mm -hmm. she's my everything. That being said, we, we 
you know, you could not find two more opposite souls on this earth than my wife and I. Um, you know, I barely can keep my life together on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and my wife is as kind of type A and, and you know, traditional and conservative as one can be. So I think what what we found or what I found happened often for, you know, I guess over a decade was it was almost like us five against her. And in retrospect, that probably wasn't fair. You know, it's, it's like I was always the one that we were having fun and being silly and laughing and, and doing all that stuff. And then when my wife was around, she, she ended up being the disciplinarian. That may be, the reality is, is, isn't that a traditional role for a father? Like, Maybe that just sounds like it's a typical role for most, you know, families. The question was, how did it, you know, how did I, how did it happen? It just happened and it happened so perfectly. And, um, and all the while I was, I was able to kind of carve out time to do all the things that keep me, uh, kind of feed my crazy soul, which means writing music and, and, um, and I am very proud that I put out a few, a few great albums that I think are, you know, have value. And, uh, I wrote a book in, in 2008, uh, I guess 2017. I, I think it's pretty cool when someone with my type of personality, um, when I can start something and finish something that's to me, that's a win. Coming back to like Germany itself as an expat moving, what do you enjoy about life in this country specifically? Or are there any, I mean, did you have any culture shocks or challenges or highlights, lowlights? Yeah. Was it a culture shock? Yeah. I mean, we moved into this little village where there's, I think, 1,500 people. Everybody knows everybody. Everyone, yeah. You know, my wife was the only person in this village that left. Like, everybody mm. that she grew up with is still in their homes. And um, and then we were, th- you know, thrust into, all of a sudden there's this long-haired American dude, you know, bringing the kids to kindergarten and, and <laughs> being the, the primary parent at, at, you know, what is it? PTO or whatever you call those, the parent teacher conference. Um, and I don't even, and I didn't speak the language and, and right. I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm friendly. So I, I was kind of fearless to, as you know, most people, I would, I'd imagine my generation and younger, most people can fake their way through English in Germany. Okay. Um, anyone with yeah, some sort of a, pretty good. Yeah. A relative, uh, relatively um, decent education. So I never shied away from the culture shock. I think I definitely leaned in, but I also never um, was able to, let's see. I don't think I in any way became German, you know? I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm such an American in that world. After 14 years, I know everyone in that village. Um, I, you know, I, I talked to everyone in the village. I, I, and I, my German is horrible, but, um, I can communicate in German and, you made uh, progress. and yeah, and I, and I must say they, the, the, the village, it's called Namen. 
the, the Namas and, and all their traditions and, and we have this, this village is special and it, it, it did give my kids and me such an, it gave us so much. Like there's so many of these little things that they do that they've been doing forever, these traditions. And we became, you know, our family became a part of them, you know. And, and All right. Well, could we you, big, like, give an example of a, a tradition? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, well, all of the, let's see, we have this this big thing called uh, Antifest. So the timing would be when the um, crops are coming up or are being, right. what, what do you call it, when they, when they take down all the corn and all that kind of stuff. I, I can't think of the word right now, so. So when they had these Entafest every year, and they've been doing it for a million years, is all the towns, all the little villages around, which is great because there's these little villages that are, you know, two kilometers away, which to to our little village, that's like, oh, they're from that world. You know, like, <laughs> it's called like Vulpka or Kleinbremen or, or um, you know, these little villages. And it, they treat them as if they're other worlds. It's literally the same, you know, it's, right. it's up the street. But all the farmers, they all, uh, so one particular day, they bring their big tractors and they, they pull these big trailers. I'm not sure what the trailers are from. And they, they um, it, it's kind of like a quasi parade, an American style of, uh, it would be a parade. But all the f- friends and family of that particular farm will fix up their trailer and it's basically a drinking fest. <laughs> so there, there'll be, I would say, you know, a hundred tractors pulling these trailers. Everyone's in their old traditional uh, clothes, you know, the dindles and, uh, you know, that stuff that Germans wear. The lederhosen. Yeah, the lederhosen and dindles, dindle, however you say that word. And, uh, and then they're doing the traditional dancing as they stop. They, they make different stops at, at the, in the different towns. So they're going from town to town in this line of tractors. And it's the greatest. You know, it's, it's the greatest thing with the, with the brass traditional music. And so that would be the, that was the thing we looked forward to most because it was so, you know, the, uh, as they're driving by, they throw candy at everyone that's watching and, <laughs> and then they'd have, you know, all the, all the stuff uh, f- for uh, holidays. So uh, obviously the Christmas time is, is wonderful. Yeah, and, pretty. Uh, we live in North Fine, Westphalen, which is, we're kind of in between Hamburg and Hanover kind of area. And uh, we live close to this relatively, I guess it's a city. I think it's a city of about 250,000 people. It's called Minden. And uh, the Christmas market there. It's it's not Cologne or or, or Stuttgart, but it's beautiful, mm. and, and we cherish that. You know, we cherished going to have the heated, he, you know, warm wine and all the weird traditions that seemingly only Germans do. Okay, but, so um, you adapted to all the local festivities and I traditions. Ad- I adapted, but I don't think I, I, I must say that I never adopted the, them. <laughs> y- yeah. And, and I think people were okay with that. You know, I think that's what I, you know, the older people, when I first came there, I do feel like they must have just been like, oh, we've never seen one of these ones, you know. <laughs> but they did all become my friends and and, um, and they were so inviting uh, also to my children who 
ultimately as they were, as my daughters kind of became young women and were having so much success in their sport, uh, the, the town was so supportive of that and the, the newspapers enjoyed, I think they, I think they recognized us as a family, as the American family that lived in, okay. you know, in this little village. And, village. and I think, I think we, that we thrived on that. I think my daughters and my, my sons, they appreciate the fact in some ways it was a little embarrassing. I think my, my daughters were like, no, I don't, you know, we don't want our picture in the newspaper, our friends. They wanted the normal kid life. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was a little cringy using their words. They'd be like, it's cringy when our, when we have, (laughs) but I, I know for, uh, for me, I, I guess I can only speak for myself is, um, I think Germany for me and for me personally, and for my family, it was the most perfect place to raise uh, our children. I think Germany is generally a wonderful place to raise a family with healthcare, you know, for all the Mm. reasons we can imagine, which is healthcare and safety vis-a-vis lack of guns and, um, (laughs) you know, the, the beauty of, of feeling safe that you can send your young children on public, you know, uh, public transportation, transport, right? Like fully comfortable. I'm going to send my eight year old on a public transportation because it's okay. It's safe. So I love to be an expat, man. I think it's also in me. It's in me. I like being the, um, I like being the guy that's different, right? I'm, I'm cool with that role. Whereas perhaps there's other people that would really, not like that role of sticking out. Um, so German It's us, funny yeah. how you say, I, it's the first time I hear someone on this uh, show say around being an expat, I'm okay with being the person standing out or different. Usually they present that I love being an expat because I love discovering the new mm. place. And so did you have part of that, like, oh, everything's new, this is interesting, or is just... Again, I'm the new person, and that doesn't matter. I deal with that. Um, I think I'm. I think I'm in my own world. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes I feel like <laughs> I'm too much in my own world. Um, maybe maybe I'm just not one to who's looking to adapt. You know what I mean? Like perhaps I'm one who is looking for. You know, I I love experience and I love meeting people, and I and yeah. and I, I did see as. As the time has gone, I have seen the the influx of refugees, whether it be um, Syrian or, um, well, there, we, we have a, a huge Turkish population, but I did see more kind of expats, I have, not really, but I guess they're considered expats, non-Germans kind of moving into the part of the Germany that we were in. And I, I really liked that. You know, I, I became real close with a family from Eritrea and, uh, and have made some really nice um, friends from Syria who, who are now living in the village. So when I moved into the village, I do feel like I was like the, the, the odd man out. And, and now it's, you know, I, I think it's nice that more non, you know, Germany people are are coming in because that is real life. That's real world. 
I don't know the Germans love that. I, I don't know what their their take on on all of that is, but that ain't my problem. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that part of your story. Let's move on to your recommendations uh, in Germany then. What would be the places to go on any cafe or restaurant? Oh, well, unfortunately, because because I w we were so all in on the on the um, family stuff, which for for my family was meant traveling for volleyball. We have not done a great job getting to know Germany, or I haven't anyway. Um, but I will say, in the little town next to us, which is Minden, North Rhine-Westfalen, um, there is there are a handful of good restaurants, but one in particular is absolutely wonderful. It's called Paradiso. It is run by a, a, uh, a real Italian gentleman. And my wife and I, for the last 14 years, that has been our romantic getaway. <laughs> so if you happen to be in Minden, Germany, uh, you will have an amazing uh, experience at a place called Paradiso. All right. Any bar or cafe also in the area? Yeah. Yes. And we have this um, in, in the little village that next door to the little village that we that we live in we have a um baking manufacturer called Schaefus, okay. which is uh it's a beautiful thing because every time you drive by there you smell the you know the bread the the wonderful smell of bread and um i would say one of the things i'm when i'm not i'm in chicago now when i'm not in germany The thing that I miss most about Germany, aside from my lovely wife, is the bread, is the, what, what they call <laughs> Moichen, which is, uh, you know, the typical uh, kind of a round, uh, I don't, what would we call it in America? Like a, a roll. I guess it's a, 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 it would be called a roll here, but it's a toasted golden uh, white roll that that is what Germans eat. And um, with uh, something called Met, do you know what that is? No, I don't. Met is uh, fresh ground pork. So it's raw uh. pork that's ground into like hamburger meat with um, uh, with spices. And Germans love that on their bread, raw. I, I As an expat, I, I have not learned to eat that personally, but really, <laughs> I mean, why not? All right. Well, we'll link those in the comments. And last one is what is your expat song? What song for you resonates with your experience abroad? I guess it would have to be one of the ones that my kids, uh, you know, the, the songs that my kids grew up with. Dare I say SpongeBob? Uh, one of the SpongeBob, because <laughs> that's what my boys always listen to for eight years. I'm a SpongeBob fan, evidently. <laughs> All right, well, SpongeBob, I, I like, it I, is. Then. <laughs> love, well, I'm trying to put put uh, put myself off as this big shot artist, and we end the interview with me saying It's SpongeBob, SpongeBob. <laughs> is my favorite artist. <laughs> oh well, true. The truth comes out sooner or later. Well, thanks so much for uh, for sharing your your story and your journey. Thank you. I No, I had a wonderful time. I so appreciate you uh, you giving me this this time. <laughs> no worries. Guys, as usual, if you enjoyed the episode, please put a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can see all the updates on Instagram and also contribute to me. <laughs>